All right, welcome to an episode of the Health Force Podcast, episode 110. We're going to discuss um, a little bit of a reality check for people today, as well as some health statistics, behavioral habits, and what we can do about them. Um, I want to start off today's episode by talking a little bit. You know, if you look at the history of the podcast, we haven't had an episode in a little bit. Uh, we are adjusting to coronavirus from a business standpoint. You know, essentially everything in person has been shut down uh, across the country. Uh, luckily, we are in a company that is a modern company. We have a fitness app. We are moving forward with a digital service, things like that. And, you know, um, part of what I want to talk about to start this episode is what we're doing on our fitness app and how somebody interested in that and what we have to offer can get involved with us. Because, uh, you know, I think right now we have a critical time that we can take a self-analysis of what we're doing. Uh, you know, looking at your, your lifestyle and you have an opportunity to make a change if, uh, you know, upon your analysis, you feel like that needs to happen. So what we're doing is on our fitness app, we have two options. The first is 100% free. You don't need to do what other companies do and put like a credit card and after 30 days, we're going to charge you nothing like that. It's completely free. It'll always be free and it doesn't end. Um, what we do there is we are going to be rotating a workout program uh, about every four to eight weeks, okay? What we, what we want to accomplish is to showcase the different styles, techniques, and training methods that you can employ in your life to accomplish workouts because there is no one-size-fits-all workout. There isn't something that everybody should be doing. There isn't like the best fat-burning workout ever. That, that stuff doesn't exist. So there's multiple ways to skin that cat, and what we want to showcase is the different ways that people can work out. Again, supersets, circuits, you name it, it'll be on there, it'll rotate. And um, a, along with that, every person will get a meal template. Again, it's gonna be based off of your body weight that you input into the app. And uh, it'll get you, it'll spit out a recommendation for meal plan in terms of calories, carbs, fat, and even give you like simple meals and a shopping list as well. So all that's included. There's also, you know, the last part of that free program is there is a group uh, on the app itself where people can message one another. We're going to be posting content in there about how to better use the app and how to accomplish more things. And that's really it. It's for free. And so you track the workouts. It, it records the data. It records your weigh-ins. It records workouts completed, weight lifted, all these things. It becomes a central hub for you. It, be, it becomes a dashboard for you. It, it becomes something that houses your fitness lifestyle. And you can do that for free. Uh, the way you're going to do that is go to ramsandelitefitness.com slash services. And essentially, it's going to showcase uh, and list out in a bullet point fashion, again, what that's like on the fitness app. And at the bottom, you input your information, you'll get an invite via email, and, and away you go. You download the mobile app, you're on it, and you access immediately to things. Okay, so if that's something where you're looking for, for some additional assistance on your fitness right now, at home, we are showcasing at-home workouts right now on there. Uh, again, ramsonlyfitness.com slash services. Fill out the form at the bottom. You'll get an invite automatically to the app. It is an invite-only app. You can't just go download it in the store. You have to fill out that form, and then you will automatically receive the invite after the form is filled out. Uh, the upgraded version we are doing on the app, there is a paid version, and it's our online personal training. It's something I've talked about before, um, and it's essentially what I just described in the free version on super, super steroid version. Okay, So instead of having a rotating workout that you're not in control of, uh, that that formatting, 
We then will partner you up with somebody on our training staff. You will have an actual human being, tr personal trainer assigned to your account in whom you will partner with and work with to create your workouts from scratch. And we all made up, made up for you from scratch. So that means you're, you're not going to do things that, that you don't enjoy or that you, you know aren't working towards your goals. Everything's made up from scratch. That, custom, that customization, I can't even speak to the level of value that that, that brings. Unparalleled value. Okay, having some version of a free program to follow along with is great. Getting one built for you specifically, again, unparalleled value. Your uh, nutritional guidelines are also going to be completely customized. So again, it's not as simple as just giving you a generic template. We're going to take into account your preferences, likes, dislikes for certain foods, and again, work with you on a on you know daily, weekly basis to get you working towards your goals. Again, whether it's weight loss or weight gain. And then lastly, the the important part is you that person you're partnered with, that personal trainer on our staff that you're partnered with, uh, you have access to them 24-7, just like Facebook Messenger or Instagram Messenger. It's just a messenger on the fitness app itself. You have access to them, ask them questions. They can help you through barriers. They'll reach out to you. You create conversations. And essentially, you create a relationship. So now you've created an accountability. Okay, You now have somebody that you're working on your goals with together, whereas on the free version, you're on your own. You know, there is no trainer checking, checking in on you, you know, sending you a direct message, seeing how things are going, asking why a certain workout wasn't accomplished. When you pay for the upgraded version, you get that. You actually are assigned a person. So uh, if you're interested in that service, again, it's just another level of getting after it. $44 a week. You, you follow the same directions. You go to ramsleyfitness.com services. You fill out the form at the bottom. Uh, once you get the app downloaded, uh, your invitation sent via email, you download the app, you fill out the questionnaire, as you join the app, there's a section at the end that says, are you here for the free version or are you trying to get the paid service? You click the paid service, we'll take it from there uh, and you just get rolling. And that's it, it becomes your hub. Again, it's your hub, it's your dashboard. It's gonna house everything that you need to be successful. Okay, let's get into the episode for today. Uh, I hope that's, that first six minutes is valuable to those of you who are confused right now or you know are stressing out because your gym's still closed. We have a solution. I just decided that this is good time to, to share it with you. There's a free version, paid version. Come on board. Come on board with us. So I wanted to start. I, I have a little something here. For those that are on video, you'll be able to see it. Okay? And those that are audio, I got a little notebook here. I've got a little notebook. What this notebook and what I do with this thing is every year in January, I sit down and I go through the, you know, my goals or what I want to accomplish for that year. Some things are extremely ambitious. Some things are extremely practical. It, it, this essentially is my roadmap to the year. Okay, It's my roadmap to the year. And what I try to do is I try to read this to myself every single morning to reinforce those things that I'm committing to. Okay, I have in here, I'm going to share some things with you. Some very personal things I'm going to share because I think it matters about today's episode. Today we're talking about the obesity rate. Yep, yes again. Yet again, we are talking about it. Hello, hello. There is a reason. It's extremely important. The stats are going up. Uh, once again, we got some new data in from the CDC going up. And, you know, now we have coronavirus. And all of a sudden, people are, are worried about their health. And they should be. But guess what? We don't need the coronavirus to scare us into our health. We've got plenty of data to suggest that we're already not taking care of ourselves in a world without corona. And we're having unnecessary death anyways. So... You know, we're going to stop pretending. Very serious episode. Um, I'm going to start with the stats. I'll start with the stats. Then we'll get into my little notebook. And we'll talk about some things about how you can change some behaviors. Because at the end of the day, if you're not willing to listen to these facts, if you're not, if you're not willing to 
acknowledge this. And maybe you're somebody that's in this category. If you're not willing to do that, you are shit out of luck. You are putting blinders on your face, covering up your eyes. Oh, I don't see what's going on. I can't be in trouble. I'm just, I'm just telling you. So the adult obesity facts, these have come in February, 2020. So these are only two months, three months old. These are new data, relatively speaking. Okay. We got the stats in from the years 2017 to 2018. Okay. That calendar year, 2017 calendar year. We got the stats in. It takes a couple years to get these things in. There's a lot of data to work through, but we got them. Here is where we currently are. The prevalence of obesity for the year 2017-2018 is 42.4%. 42.4%. I've been saying 40%. I've been saying it wasn't 33%. Here we go. 42.4% prevalence of obesity. Um, from... From the years 1999 through 2017, the prevalence of obesity was about 30.5%. Oh, sorry. 1999, that year, that calendar year, 1999 to 2000, that year, the obesity rate, 30.5%. 30.5. Here we are. Fast forward, 2017, 2018, 42.4%. Now, I'm not that great at math, but that's almost a 15% increase. And when we started at 30%, I know 15% is about half of that. We have about a 50% increase in the last 15, 17 years of obesity. A 50% increase in the prevalence of obesity. Obesity-related conditions include heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, certain types of cancers. They all lead to, they are, all, they are some of the leading causes of preventable premature death. That's a great point to read, huh? The estimated annual medical cost of obesity in the United States was $147 billion in 2008. Medical costs for people who have obesity is about $1,429 higher than those that have normal weight. Medical costs. Okay. Um, association between obesity and income level. Overall, men and women with college degrees Lower obesity compared with those that have less education. By race and ethnicity, same obesity and education patterns is seen among, among non-Hispanic whites, non-Hispanic blacks, Hispanic women, and also non-Hispanic white men. Whatever the hell that means, all these different groups. Among men, obesity prevalence is lower in the lowest and highest income groups compared with middle income groups. Patterns also seen among non-Hispanic white and Hispanic men. Among women, obesity prevalence was lower in the highest income group than in the middle and lowest income groups. Uh, and moving on, again, this is February 2020, new data, prevalence of obesity in the U.S. Talking about 2017, 2018, that calendar year. Uh, this is just from the CDC website, cdc.gov. Okay, that's where, that's where we're getting this stuff from. Key findings. In 2017, 2018, the age-adjusted prevalence of obesity in adults, in adults, U.S. adults, 42.4%. No statistical difference between men and women, by the way, or by age groups. So it doesn't matter by age, men or women, it, it's going to be not statistically significant in the difference. Meaning, pretty much if you're an adult in the U.S., 42.4% of us obese. By the way, there's a whole category called overweight. So we're not even talking about overweight. We're talking about obese, which is the high higher category. So you also have people that are overweight as well. So very clear, you know, I think very easily you can see that something like 70% of the 
of our U.S. adult population is either overweight or obese. But just speaking obese, which is the highest category that we can have for body weight, 42.4% of adults qualify to become categorized as obese. Among, let's see here, what else is important? The prevalence of severe obesity is highest among adults that are aged 40 to 59. Okay, that's the highest prevalence of severe obesity. That age group, 40 to 59. Obesity, again, I shouldn't have to repeat this, is associated with serious health risks. Severe obesity further increases the risk of obesity-related complications, such as coronary heart disease, end-stage renal disease. Um, again, it increases your chance of getting things like cancer, You'll, you know, higher chance of type 2 diabetes, heart attack, on and on and on it goes. If you are somebody that is obese, you are increasing your risk of death. The end. I mean, there's no other way to read it. The end. I mean, you can read this entire report. They break this thing down by all the different groups, the different race, the age, the sex, the whatever. And pretty much the, the gist of it is across all boards, mostly, yes, some areas are lower than others. But for the most part, if you're an adult, the obesity rate's too high. The obesity rate's too high. And that trend's going up and up and up. But like I said, 1999, it was 30.5%. And then every year, it just goes up and up and up. 30 30.5, 32.2, 34.3, 35.7, 35.7, 37.7, 39.6, and here we are at 42.4% of adults. It's going up. They also have a line here for severe obesity. Severe obesity, 1999, was 4.7% of the adult population. It now sits at 9.2. That's almost 100%. I'm again, not, I'm not great at math. That's almost 100% increase, 100% in 17 years. It's absurd. You think about the history of the world, how many hundreds of years we've had civilizations. Well, guess what, folks? In 15 years, we've nearly doubled our obesity rates. At a time when we're supposed to be the most intelligent, the most modern, the most advanced, the most the biggest brain creatures that we've had in the history. I think most people think we're smarter than ancient Rome and you know ancient Greeks and all that. We got we're so smart now. Well, 15 years, double the obesity rate. That's enough of that's enough of the data. I mean, I, I can't I can't deal with it. To me, like this to me is like it's like devastating. It's it's like if you were to get up, like some people get up in the morning and they check their four hundred one k's, they check their stocks, and they see that their retirement fund is down five percent or whatever. You know, like oh, it's down, and they're like devastated. Like oh, I can't believe I lost all that money. I lost this much money. I'm the same way when I read these obesity stats because I know what this means. I know that this means unnecessary death. I know that this means harder lifestyles. I know that this means people that get tired when 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 they shouldn't be getting tired. People that can't play with their kids and grandkids. People that are in the hospital more. It caught the bigger tax on our system unnecessarily. It just goes on and on. And I'm going to say something. It's not going to be, it should not be controversial. Some people are, are going to think it is going to react that way, but it is what it is. Obesity, I think, is a disease that we have a lot of self-control over. I think we can control. Okay. Now, there are people out there in the medical field even that are going to be excuse makers. And they're going to say things like, well, it's really tough. Oh, it's tough. There's so many factors. Um, you know, our food production is different. Our, you know, ability to get exercise is different because of the work culture we have. Trust me, there are plenty of line-by-line -line items that make obesity dip moderate to difficult to handle. And I admit that. I never said it's going to be easy. I didn't say it's an easy thing to handle. But it, no doubt is something you can handle. Every single person listening to this podcast, if you're overweight or obese, you have the power today to change that. You do. And I don't care what doctor, what statistician, 
what expert, quote, 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 I'm expert, expert. I don't care what expert says. It's, it's too hard to change. It's very complicated. It's very, let them say that. Okay. Because at the end of the day, what they're trying to study and they're looking at all these diet interventions and, oh, well, if we do low carb or low fat, they have it all wrong. They have it all wrong. They're looking, again, short-term windows. They're saying if we put somebody on a six-month intervention, we should be able to have them lose weight and keep it off. And what happens is they go through these interventions. A lot of people do lose weight in six months. And then when they return to normal life, and they're no longer in the intervention study. They regain the weight because they didn't, change, they didn't really change any habits. And that's a variety of reasons. That's complicated. Habit change is complicated. We're going to address it today. We're going to talk habit change. But they think that if we change one little variable, oh, let's make it a low-carb diet instead this time. It'll work. And that's... We have this, that's not the case. The diet specifics is not the issue. It's the behavior is the issue. Our culture and our lack of responsibility about our own, our own health and fitness is what's causing this obesity rate to continue to climb. Because I see it, I see it every day. Most people are stressed out about other things than their own health. And we got this bad dynamic happening where it takes a catastrophic event to either you or somebody you care about before you wise up. And that's just too late, it is, it's too late. You've got somebody in your life right now that is obese. There's no doubt. 42.4% people that we know that are US adults are obese. So there's, you take that stat, you're going to know somebody. The sad point is, you might even be obese. Your parent, you have a parent that's obese. Your significant other might be obese. Your children might be obese. And yet, at the end of the day, most people are not willing to make this a lifestyle habit for them to get this thing under control until something bad happens, whether it's to you yourself, and you're like, oh my God, I need to change. I can't live like this anymore. Or something happens to a significant other and you're like, oh my God, that, that really is a wake up call. That's where we are. So maybe this could be a wake up call to somebody. Maybe I can get somebody's attention and just get them to understand where we are. And it's, it's not magic. It's not magic. So I'm gonna share with you, again, something out of my personal little yearly goal notebook thing to show you what, I, I, you know, what matters to me and how I'm able to incorporate fitness into my life in a way that I'm just not willing to become a, a statistic like this. I don't know about you. I am not willing to wake up one day when I'm 47 or 54 and I'm on the 42% train. I'm on the 42% obese train and I got all kind of health conditions and I'm taking medications and I've got to go see the doctor and then I'm in the hospital two times a year and then I have a, a whatever, a heart attack at 63. Like, I'm just not willing to do that, Okay. And I'm going to show you how I'm building my life because I'm only 29. I'm young, but I'm building my life now at 29 to prevent this stuff when I'm 60, as best as I can control. Not everybody that gets cancer, not everybody that gets cardiovascular disease, and not every single person that has a heart attack is obese. I understand that. And I get that somebody could technically be overweight and be mostly healthy. I acknowledge that. But let's, let's, let, let's cut this shit here. Most people, that does not apply. Most people that are overweight or obese are actually very unhealthy. They just might have not had the event happen to them yet. They might have not had a serious health uh, event. But the data don't lie. It happens and it will happen. All right. What I'm going to share uh, for me. Here we go. I'm going to read some things. Very simple. This is not like an advanced... Going, like this isn't gonna be like what you're gonna hear next is not some advanced schematic strategy formula. This is very basic stuff, but I've got four lines here under fitness. I've got essentially, I mean, I've got six lines, but four goals. Two are kind of just like reminders. So I'll read the two reminders first, and I've got my four goals. And you'll see these goals are basic, but they work because they matter to me and I care about them. All right, that's the takeaway. You're, if you're gonna do habit change, it's gotta matter to you. 
All right, here we go. Fitness. Fran Ramsen's personal notebook. Personal. I ain't gonna hide it either. Reading word by word. Here we go. My two reminders. Number one reminder about fitness is exercise is medicine. I'll say it again in case you didn't hear me. Perk your ears. Exercise is medicine. If you look at the effect that exercise has on our body, it essentially is the closest thing to the fountain of youth that we have. Okay? Exercise and eating properly has the ability to take all of your health tests, your blood levels, this, that, and the other, and reverse them into the, into the good categories. It's able to do that. Okay? So to me, when you look at it, it is a form of medicine. It's preventative medicine. It's a way that if I work on myself, exercise, and I eat right, I can prevent myself from taking type 2 diabetic medication in the future. It's possible. Okay? Second thing. This one hits hard. This one hits hard for me. We get one body. That's it. That's my reminder. We get one body. I, we have not been able to transplant our brains and our minds and our soul into another robot or other human being. We're not there. Okay? It doesn't exist. So whatever you find yourself in, this vessel, this body of yours, it is yours. There is no other. It's the only one you're going to get. I can't fathom that people would not take care of this thing. It'd be like saying you get one car for the rest of your life and that's it. If it dies, you no longer have a car. You can't get anywhere. I bet you people would take care of that single car more than you're taking care of your own body right now today. There's no doubt. If the government came in and said, that's it, one car, rest of your life. If that car dies or becomes too damaged to function, too bad. You got to figure out something out. Go ride a bike, walk. You don't get a car anymore. I just have a feeling people would care about that car way more than they care about their bodies. But if we extend this logic, it's the same application to your human body. You have one. It's going to be a finite amount of time. You don't know the end date. But what we do know is if you don't take care of this body, you will pass away prematurely. We will pass away. So again, you get one body. Take care of it. Take care of it as best you can. Some of us are dealt bad hands. I understand. All right, on my four goals that I try to accomplish. You know, some of these apply every day, but again, this is what I'm focusing on for the year 2020. Number one, work out every day. Wow, that's simple. And I have in parentheses, just do something. Again, I don't need to work out for 90 minutes. I don't need to do a CrossFit workout. I don't need to go run a marathon. I can do 15, 20 minute workouts on certain days if that's all I have. Some days, you know, for me, most right now, if you take Corona out of it, a normal workout for me in 2020, pre-Corona, I'm about 35, 40 minutes, okay? I get in, I get out, I get on with my day. I'm out there for an hour and a half. Um, there was point, point, you know, maybe a year ago, you asked me that question, two years ago, you asked me the question, I'm there for an hour and 15 minutes. It just depends. But right now where I am, I feel really good about 35, 40 minutes, resistance training, weightlifting, get after it, get in, get out, be efficient. Okay. Some days I'm there for 15, 20 minutes. Some days I'm there for an hour. But overall, that's kind of where that's kind of where I reside. But that's one of my goals. Every day, try to do something. Go on a hike. Do yoga. Do a mobility workout. Do a quick workout. Do a long workout. I'm trying to do something every day. I'm trying to stay active. Number two, support Kate and her goals. Now, Kate is my wife, and I view as my job that I'm responsible because of my knowledge to take care of those around me. And she has her own fitness goals and cares about fitness. It might not have the practical knowledge that I have. So I view it as my responsibility to be the leader, make sure I'm helping her accomplish those goals, be a supportive partner. That means not every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday convincing us to order pizza. Like that's something simple, but that matters to me because I think if I would do that, if I would say every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, 
three nights a week. If I say, hey, you want to get a pizza? Might be a good shot that we get that takeout or the pizza too frequently. And then now my decision is having impact on somebody that matters to me. So again, just trying to look out for others. That seems like a good goal. Number three, raise our children with a healthy lifestyle and respect for fitness. Now, I don't even have children. We don't... It's not even planned for maybe like another year or two. I don't know. But I don't have children. But you can already see it makes the cut as one of my four goals. And the reason for that is this is a mindset thing. This is not just like, oh, I got to work out. I got to eat better. Like it, to me, it means so much more. It's a big, it's a big picture item. I'm going to have children someday. I sure as hell don't want to raise them in a way that they don't appreciate and understand exercise as medicine. That we only have one body. Like they need to get that. It's my job again as the father to put that into them as I'm raising them so they grew up with this respect and that they hopefully <laughs> ingrain this. I can't force it, but I hope that they ingrain it into their life, something that matters to them, okay? And my last one, number four, is, <laughs> it's actually a funny one. I'm sure gas station pit stops, I should restrict it to zero calorie drinks and protein bar only. So funny little story, okay? Uh, probably like five years ago, we were doing a lot of in-home personal training. So I was in person, driving around all day, going to person, to person, to person, to person. Full days work, five, six days a week, okay? It was pretty impractical to like pack several meals and try to do that every single day. It, it didn't happen. So what did I do? It was easy to stop at a, at a place, whether it's fast food or a restaurant or a gas station, and grab a food item. Well, it became very easy to stop and get things that weren't healthy, weren't healthy. And weren't good for me. Very, very easy to do that. You know, you start stopping at sheets and getting at MTOs. You start getting McDonald's burger. Like pretty quickly, you're gaining 25 pounds, 15, 10 pounds, and uh, you know, you snap your fingers and oh my god, here we are. So I made this. I made a goal of mine that if I'm going to stop at a gas station, whether out of convenience or out of preference, whatever. If I'm stopping to get a food item, keep it to protein bars and then any sort of drink. Again, it's not. Really, it's never really been a big problem for me, but like. I just want to remove the temptation. Don't go get the Big Mountain Dew for 400 calories. You know, don't be getting iced teas for 300 calories. Just get a zero calorie drink, whether it's water or like an unsweetened iced tea or a vitamin water or a body armor or a zero Gatorade. Like there's all kinds of options nowadays that you have. Zero, even a diet, a diet soda is fine. Zero calories, protein bar, in and out of there. I'm going to, you know, re reduce the amount of opportunities I have to make mistakes and to eventually add extra calories. That's it. That's it. There's nothing in here about I need to lose 10 pounds. Nothing like I want, I want to do CrossFit workouts for 90 minutes of intensity. I want to deadlift a new record. Like there's nothing in there crazy. But let me tell you something. That right there, putting that down on paper, reading it every single day has really reinforced those four things. That really has. That's reinforced it. I encourage every single person to do the same thing. Take a similar approach. Get some paper, get some pen, or put it on your phone and figure out one to five things that matter to you do it like I did it, more broad-headed ideas, and then you read them every day. And what it's going to do is going to reinforce this thing in your brain. It's going to reinforce this identity that you are somebody that cares about having a healthy lifestyle. And then every decision you make every day is going to fit in, into that identity or it's not. Most times, your brain will come into conflict if it doesn't. So then you'll start behaving like this person you want to be. So that's the first step in how we can start doing this thing. I'm going to read something now to, <clears throat> to change gears. There's a book I'm, I'm listening to on audio called Atomic Habits. The author is James Clear. Very compelling story. Very interesting. I'm, I'm only maybe like an hour and a half, two hours into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm only like a third of the way through the book. But I found it to be a great book already. And, and I'm excited about the second two-thirds of the book. 
Um, but the idea behind the, you know, this, this book is how to change behaviors and habits. And it, and it starts by defining habits and talking about bad habits and good habits and how they come to be and trying to go about reversing the bad ones and then forming good ones. And, you know, his, his story is pretty compelling. I mean, I don't remember it exactly, but along the lines of he was a nobody, he started to write a couple articles, he started to blog a little bit, he started to get a following. He's, what he wrote made sense to a lot of people. And now he's blown up and now he's like a big newsletter. He, he writes books. So now he's like a big author. He's a speaker, author, and he came from nothing. He just started on his own and, you know, eventually people were like, this is a good idea. And now all of a sudden he actually thinks, I, I'm pretty sure he thinks it's ironic or funny that he's now like an expert on habits. And he's like, I don't know, I just started talking about it. So again, we don't need big PhD brains, big, oh, I'm so smart, telling us what to do. I think every single person can get behind some of these things and it comes down to your willpower. Can you put some of this into your life? Can you really commit to some of this stuff? Are you interested? You know, and a lot of people aren't even interested. So that's the conversation you need to have. And that's fine. If you're going to sit here and say, I'd rather go on vacation. I'd rather save for a 401k. I would rather eat whatever food I want. I'd rather drink beer. I don't care how much I weigh. I'd rather you say that than lie to me and say, no, I care about fitness. And then I ask you, okay, well, what are you doing about it? And you're like, I spend $0 on fitness and health. You know what? Screw you. You're lying to everybody. Okay. It's either you care and you start doing stuff about it or you don't care. You've got other priorities. But get your answer straight. I know what the answer should be, and you know what it should be, but we both know that there can be a, a conflict there. There can be a conflict. Now, I'm going to read something I've got from this book. I've got my own like summaries on the different chapters, and I've got the first four chapters, in my own words, my summary of what I heard. Okay, I'm going to read just a little bit of it because I think some of it's interesting, and I hope it hits someone the right way. So there's a chapter in the book called Surprising Power of Atomic Habits, okay? And he talks about the story that we covered before about Dave Brailsford and the British Cycling. If you haven't heard that podcast, go find it a couple episodes ago. Essentially, it's about marginal gain theory and how small changes over time produce big results. Duh, we've been saying that. Um, so habits are to self-improvement what compound interest is to money. A few shifts can produce long-term large changes. We don't ever see this pay off in the short term, however. The trajectory of habits is far more important than the current situation. Breakthroughs are often the result of 1% changes undetected over time. For an example, if you have an ice cube, uh, that remains the, it's, it's going to look exactly the same from 25 degrees to 31 degrees if, if it's in a room. But then one degree change from 31 to 32, and it starts to begin to melt, and the whole thing changes. Uh, you know, Cancer, as an example, spends 80% of its time undetected in the human body, but it takes just mere months to kill somebody. It's a good argument for ridding yourself of creating actionable goals. This one's important to me. Um, so they're focused on the outcome. So what they mean is if you say something like, um, I want to make, like if you make a goal notebook and you say, I want to lose 20 pounds, okay? There's an argument that we shouldn't make goals that way. And the, ish, and, and, and the thinking there is that when you create a goal like that and say, I need to lose 20 pounds, you're creating the goal based on the outcome of 20 pounds, but you're not really addressing how you're going to accomplish that. You're just getting the goal. And, you know, James Clear makes the argument that it should be reversed. You should care way more about your day-to-day -day processes and methods to reach a goal than the actual goal. The goal will take care of itself if you handle the systems and processes. And so that's something that I'm looking to, to carry into our business. I'm, I don't care about how much money we make this year. We need to make we need to make $500,000 in sales this year. Like, that's not interesting. What's interesting, though, is if we create a, a business and a system that can get us to $500,000 in sales. That's much more interesting than just creating some sales goal. Uh, number two, he talks about how habits can shape your identity. And there are three levels of change. You've got goals, habits, and identity. Most people change goals 
by way of habit, but they don't alter their identity. And this leads to failure of habit change. So here's an example. If, somebody, if you're trying to quit smoking, somebody offers you a cigarette and you say, no, I don't want a cigarette, I'm trying to quit. Okay, you take that versus saying, no, I don't want a cigarette, I'm not a smoker. The second one's way more powerful because it's addressing your identity that you're no longer a smoker. Whereas the first one, it's just the, the habit, it's, habit itself is what you're saying. You're not changing your identity. So just doing simple things like that. So instead of saying, well, I'm trying to work on my fitness, just start saying, I'm somebody that cares about fitness. The end. Not, I'm trying to work out more. Just say, I work out every day. It's part of my lifestyle. It's what I care about. Simple, but way effective. Number three, how to build habits in four easy steps. This is awesome. Um, but habits are a result of trial and error. And essentially, there's like, there's like this four laws thing where it's like you, you get a cue, then there's a craving, then, there, then there, there, there's your response to that craving, and then there's the reward part. And essentially, James Clear goes into how you can break this down and address each of these things and break habits and form new ones. So again, if that's something that's interesting to you, get the book. I mean, what is it? $15, $10, whatever. Just get it. It's awesome. He goes into that in great detail. I could never even come close to trying to you know, recreate that for this podcast. But again, he does a very good job of talking about neurological feedback loops. And I think does a great job of articulating this instead of just telling stories about habit changing and, oh, the long term. Like he actually gets into it. And the last thing is he talks about the man that didn't look right. It's a chapter about the book where there's like a nurse that notices her father-in-law has symptoms of a heart attack. She says, we should take you to the hospital. I think something's wrong. And he like jokes with her and says, oh, no, 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 I'm, all, I'm good. There's nothing wrong with me. And he has a heart attack like a little bit later. And so the thought process is your brain, when it comes to these habits, your brain is on autopilot to save you, the human being, time. Habits are supposed to be things that save us time. It makes us more efficient. Uh, essentially, it, it's the history of our life. Certain things that happen to us, we react certain ways and we get certain outcomes. And your body just automates that. As you know, The more and more that you see a certain cue, you just start to respond certain ways. It's, in, it's instinctual and uh, it's meant to save you time. So in this instance, like the nurse has, been, has seen so many people have heart, have heart attack episodes. She knows what it looks like without having to think through, oh, well, this is happening. That She just knows by looking. Your brain automatically makes that calculation. He's having a heart attack. And that same power is what happens to you with your habits. You don't even think anymore about like McDonald's. You just go get it. Uh, a really good example from the book, I think, is he talks about when somebody has a habit of stopping at the donut shop on the way to work. Well, what happens? You know, you smell donuts one day. That's the cue. Your craving is, well, I want a donut. Donuts are delicious. I want one. Your response is you go into the donut shop and you buy one. Okay. And the reward is you get the satisfaction of eating that donut. The way it becomes a habit is because that cue becomes associated with the reward. And so every time you smell the donut, you think of how enjoyable it is to have a donut. Next thing you know, you have a habit of on the way to work getting a donut. That in a nutshell is almost every, is how habits are formed. You can take that to any scenario and apply it. So understanding those four things is, is a good way to start reversing and trying to stop bad habits. So to wrap up the podcast, we could talk about how to form new habits, okay? And again, what we're trying to do is make it easy. We want to stay on broad suggestions. You, you saw my goal notebook. Workout every day is a very broad suggestion. I get up. And here's how it's happened. For me, it's, it's, it's essentially come down to this. I get up, I get my pre-workout, and that starts this whole cycle of me going to the gym and working out. And there really isn't anything that stops me from doing it. It's the habit now. But in the beginning, I had to like formulate this and get this thing rolling so that it becomes a habit. 
to stop bad habits, you got to understand this cue, the rewards, the responses, and you got to try to put a, a stop into it. So whether that means getting rid of the cue, so if, you, if you're somebody that, you know, again, is getting fast food on the way to work in the morning for breakfast because you're not eating at home or something, you got to find a way to stop that cue from, stop, from starting in the first place. If you can find a way to stop a habit from starting, like whatever that initial uh, cue to get the habit started is, if you can find what that is, ID it and stop it, then the habit will never happen or it will cease from happening. So I think that's good. And the other way to, to do it too is if you if you can get that outcome at the end, like whatever the reward is, if you can halt that from being something productive and good. Um, so if it, you know, again, if you're staying focused on your fitness and the reward uh, or the outcome of eating a donut or McDonald's in the morning breakfast is you're gonna gain more weight, then if we can focus that and frame it that way, then we have a good opportunity then to to, to stop because that becomes no longer enjoyable. That's not fitting our goals. So to take away, the biggest thing I want to wrap up with is get on our fitness app. There's a free option. Why would you not? So if you're doing nothing right now, ramsleyfitness.com slash services, get the free part. If you want the upgraded part, you want you want to get rolling, you want to go to town, you want to actually work with somebody, create a partnership you don't want to do on your own, when you fill out your uh, fitness app invitation, just go ahead and pick the online training parts. $44 a week, piece of cake, you get in, you get a partner, on you go, okay? That's step one. Step two, I think, is just start thinking of yourself as a healthy person. I don't even care if you're 500 pounds. I don't care if you're 300. I don't care if you're 169. I don't care what you weigh. If you feel like you're overweight and obese and you're working towards a weight loss as a goal, that's good. Acknowledgement and awareness is step one towards a goal and towards an outcome. That's good. You got awareness. You don't like where you are. You know where you want to go. Fantastic. Now, just start thinking of yourself as the person you want to be. Don't say, well, I'm just trying to work out more because I'm lazy or I'm fat or I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm just trying to work out more. Just stop. Just if somebody asks you, oh, how come you're working out? You just say, it's important to me. I'm, I care about it. I'm making a lot, you know, it's part of my lifestyle. Just assume the identity, assume the final product, assume the role that you're going for. And then what happens is your brain will start to adjust all these actions, behaviors automatically. It'll start to work so that it aligns these things into your new identity. So you all have the power, don't fall into the trap that you can't help it, that you're just a poor soul, that you don't have enough money, you don't have enough time, just stop it, stop it. I am not accepting that, you shouldn't accept it out there for yourself, and just move forward. You're a healthy person, I don't care where you're starting from, you're working at it, we're all working at it. I've been doing it for whatever, 15, 10 years, 15 years, caring about it, I'm still working at something, I have goals all the time. So I hope it hits somebody hard. I hope it hits them right. Thanks for joining the podcast. If you want to reach out to us, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook at Ramsland Elite Fitness. Uh, go to the website, ramslandfitness.com. Check out, again, the services tab for the fitness app that we now have. We now have our own app. It's an invite only. Uh, you fill out the form on ramslandfitness.com slash services. Fill out the form at the bottom. You'll get invited via email. And once you're invited, you will fill out this form. You can indicate whether you're there for the free product or you're there for the paid personal training Either way, I think it's better than what you're doing now, which is probably nothing or like on your own. And I think, again, most people just need some direction, some help. So that's a way to start it off. Thanks for joining the podcast. We'll see you guys next time.